So we're in our new sermon series beginning today, and the question we have been giving is, I wonder, does God still exist? Thanks a lot, Scott. (laughs) You know, in the United Methodist Church, we believe that we come to develop our theology, our understanding of who God is and how God works in this world, our understanding of our faith through what we call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. We first look at Scripture, and then we look at tradition, experience, and reason. So if we look at these first words of Genesis, the words that I can safely bet that all of us have heard, many of us have read, learned, memorized, some of us have preached, taught. In these words, there's no question of God's existence in the world. The first words we read are, in the beginning, God created. God exists. It's the first thing scripture teaches us. So let's look at tradition. The very first words of the affirmation of faith, that's a creed that all Christians share. They believe that creed is from as early as the first century. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. The tradition of the church believes that God exists. So many that we have read and studied share their experiences of God. God exists. And as we look at things with our minds, with reason, let's look at the origin of the universe, the order, the objective moral values that we share, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God exists. Many of us are sitting here going, yep, I'm with you. You know, I joked with Stan. I called him when I got the word that I was going to be preaching this question today and this scripture, and I was asking for some clarification. And so I just told Stan, I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to say, yep, and then sit down. (laughs) I thought it was a good idea. But the question today isn't, does God exist? The question today is, I wonder Does God still exist? Does God still exist today in 2019? Did God create the world and disappear? Did God set the world into motion and then step back just to watch what happens? Did God come to this world as a human, as a baby, live, die, was resurrected, only to walk away? Sure, sure, God existed then, but does God exist now? Is God continuing to work and exist in this world that we find ourselves in? And I think honestly, if all of us are honest and we look at that question, we really get overwhelmed with the hurt, with the pain, with the suffering, with the struggle, the sometimes senselessness of life. I'm with you, friends. I see the same pain and the same sin and the same hurt. Miracles seem very few and far between nowadays. We beg for miracles and nothing happens. We listen for the voice of God and hear nothing. So I wonder, does God still exist? In June, I moved into the role of family pastor. So my husband, Scott, and I now share the responsibility of all family ministries, 0 to 30. 
So I am directly responsible for kids' ministry, young adult ministry, but I also still direct what's going on over in West Dallas, 723. You know, our kids' ministry is led by the amazing Jennifer Sudcliffe. She has been part of moving our kids' ministry into a place of loving all kids as we experience God together through play, through story, through wonder, through prayer, and through blessing. Play, story, wonder, prayer, and blessing. Those are the principles that we use to help focus our kids' ministry. The first principle is knowing that kids experience God. My first Sunday as family pastor, I went up to the elementary area and was so excited. And I witnessed the story, Pentecost, Jesus keeps his promise to send the Spirit. The storyteller did a beautiful job and then asked questions to the children. I wonder what part of the story you liked the best. I wonder what part of the story you thought was most important. I wonder what part was about you or that you were in. I wonder if you leave any part of the story out. Do we really still have all that we need? I wonder what you are wondering. The children began to raise their hands and share their thoughts and ideas. It was amazing. Offering space for the children to explore the story, to wonder. One third grader said, I'm Jesus in the story. Wow. (laughs) One second grader raised his hand and said, I wonder, did Jesus have to die? It was my first week in kids' ministry. But thankfully, I had all these atonement theories that I could spell out. But the storyteller didn't do that. The storyteller said, I wonder what you think about that. And then this discussion and sharing began to happen with the children. Last year, I was reading about an ancient practice called Midrash. If you haven't heard of it, Midrash is an interpretive act seeking the answer to religious questions, both practically and theologically. They look by digging into Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Midrash responds to contemporary problems and crafts new stories, making connections between new Jewish realities and the unchanging biblical text. Midrash is really just a way that Jews apply and wrestle with Scripture in their everyday life. Midrash is a way that Jews wonder about Scripture in their community. Midrash happens in commentary on Torah or the Hebrew Bible, in rabbis' sermons in synagogue, in art, and it gets pretty loud around a table at Passover. It's endless. Christians practice Midrash, but it's not really Midrash because Midrash is uniquely Jewish. But we've adopted a form of it. A creative example of Midrash that most of you in this room have probably seen is the Prince of Egypt. In the story the Prince of Egypt, there's a lot of Midrash happening, but think about when Miriam shares the true identity to Moses. Scripture doesn't tell us that that's how it happened, but could it? Maybe. Another example of Midrash is the song, Let My People Go. 
Those are words from scripture that were turned into a spiritual hymn that was directed at southern slave owners. Now some of you are thinking, Sarah, we are not supposed to add to or take away words of the Bible. So actually Deuteronomy 4 and 12, where that comes from, is a command from Moses. And we're not supposed to add to or take away from the law. That's very different. Midrash is us filling in the blanks of scripture, using our interpretation and our imagination and maybe the Holy Spirit. Rabbi Jershon Schwartz writes, By confronting sacred text and engaging in a struggle with it, we affirm its sanctity and relevance in our lives. We engage in Midrash with a sense of awe, with an appreciation that we stand in the presence of something sacred, something holy, something of ultimate importance. So if we return to our Genesis scripture and we do a little bit of Christian Midrash this morning, does God still exist? So actually, if we look at those first words of Genesis in Hebrew, the very first word, the very first phrase can actually mean two different things. It could mean, in a beginning, God created the sky and the earth, or... It could mean when God began to create the sky and the earth. So my Old Testament professor told me, Dr. Heller, he said, if you choose one of these, then you miss something. These two phrases are very different. It changes a lot. So I wonder if the first words are in a beginning, does that mean that there was just the one beginning, or was there another beginning? Is today another beginning? I mean, if God created the first day over two million years ago, or depending on how you're counting, 1,658.195 billionth years ago, or if the first words are really when God began to create the earth and the sky, Was it just the masterpiece that God is continuing to add to? I mean, it's not like God stopped. We have more than earth and sky. So what does it look like for God to continue creating? Does God still create today? What if you visualize that? What if you have this discussion with 10 or 12 people in this room? I wonder... You know, I love the way our children wonder. I love how they engage scripture. And so my question is, I wonder if you feel you can do that. How many of us grew up with permission to wonder in church or Sunday school? I asked that question to a lot of people this week, a lot of adults, several of our staff. And here's some answers I received. No. I was told what to think. I was told what the stories meant. I just believed what I was told, and I didn't ask anymore. I didn't feel like I could question things. It wasn't the culture to question. We just didn't. There wasn't a safe space to question things. 
I began to question my beliefs in college and was rejected by my church. So I eventually left that church. You know, that last quote was from one of our young adults. And he actually serves on our young adult leadership team. He's actually a small group leader for our youth. Lover's Lane is a space that allowed him to wrestle with questions, to ask questions, to have a different opinion. Lover's Lane gave him a new church home, and he asks the best questions. I also have young adults who refuse to come to church. And a small group, they can't come to small group because they weren't allowed to question And so now they've pushed away. Some of your friends or children might be in that group. They just can't get to the door and not even try. You know, I've been working with young adults for a couple years. And we, not me, we, the young adults, have worked really hard to create a brave space. I say brave space because it's not safe. We all have hurt. We all have baggage. We have all this stuff. But we can at least be brave in that space to share how we really feel, to share our hurt. You know, it's really rare that that group ever agrees on anything. This group of 18 to 30-year-olds that have the most diverse theology and opinions. Often during a discussion over scripture, you'll hear, you know, I don't agree with you, but I've also never really looked at it that way. Or one time somebody said, y'all, with the week it's been in our world, I just can't. I just can't. But I'm here. You know, it's a space where young adults can really wrestle with questions that they have. And I'm sorry to say, or I'm happy to say, that a lot of times they leave with those questions unanswered. But we wrestle together. And one thing is for sure, when they leave, they know, whether they believe it or not, the creator of the universe loves them desperately. And that group loves them desperately. So I wonder if you need permission to wonder. Do you need a brave space to wrestle with? I wonder, does God still exist? Friends, we all need a brave space to wonder, does God still exist? Do you wonder? For me, I do. I wonder and wrestle with the question, does God, the God of Abraham, Moses, and Elijah still exist today? Does God, the God of Mary, the mother of Jesus the God of the Samaritan woman, the God of Paul, still work and exist in this world today? The first Tuesday of every month, we meet in ship for Staff Chapel, and Reverend Richard Selby leads us. This week, he led with these words. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These words placed on the heart 
of Reverend Selby spoke directly to me. The presence of God. Lord, our dwelling place in all generations, even now. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These words spoken right as I was praying about what God would bring forth in the sermon with this question this week. Right as I was wrestling with how am I going to communicate truth. An existing present God speaks. Ancient words of scripture speak and encourage us to encounter, encounter a present God. Yeah, Sarah, but this world. I mean, the hurricane that just totally took out the Bahamas. They're never going to return from that. What about the damage and destruction that it has done? Hurricanes over and over and over. Or, or what about the actions of priests and pastors? They're leaving the church in droves or we want to kick them out. How much, how much hurt does the church really have to do and continue to harm? What about the evil that's just running rampant? Does God really exist in a world with so many frequent mass shootings? Our children are afraid to go to school. Y'all, I have a four-year-old who has to learn lockdown in preschool. Does God really exist? I got an email from Michael Irwin a few months ago. Justin Irwin's dad. If you don't remember, Justin is now a senior at Stoneman Douglas High School from Parkland, Florida. Justin was here with us and came to speak to us as we wrestled and struggled and wondered together. Here's an email I received from Mike. Pastor Sarah, greetings from South Florida. I hope you and your family are doing well. How's Grayton, the energetic and playful young lady, doing? Does she still have Scott wrapped around her finger? As we are quickly approaching the anniversary of the tragedy at Stoneman Douglas, I find myself and those around me doing a lot of reflecting. What could have been for those 17 lives? What about their friends, their loved ones, their classmates? Have we done enough to change the world? No. A lot of progress has been made, especially with awareness, but we still have a long way to go. I want to thank you for everything you did for Justin and I as we were struggling to recover from a horrible tragedy. I was lost and without direction and didn't know how to help my son. I endured many nights wondering why and what is next. I'll never forget the day that Justin called me at work and said, Dad, we're heading to Dallas. I'll never forget the day that Justin called me at work, I'm sorry, and said, Dad, we're heading to Dallas. This came as a surprise since he had been fairly unwilling to open up since February 14th and since he had never spoken publicly. The absolute conviction in Justin's voice made it clear that God had opened a door. It was your conversation with Justin regarding the Parkland Moves Us opportunity that helped him see a path that God had laid. From the minute your husband picked us up at the airport through the worship services, youth fellowship, meals, marches, and the Parkland Moves Us event, 
we had an incredible experience. It was a great life lesson, reminding us both that while evil exists, it does not prevail. This world is full of amazing people that truly care. I often look at the picture of your interview with Justin that was published by the Dallas Morning News. A picture is worth a million words in this case. Your love for the children in your ministry is inspiring. To you and your family, Pastor Scott, Pastor Stan, and the entire Lover's Lane congregation, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We headed to Dallas to share Justin's story and change some perspectives. We came home knowing that God used us to make a difference in your lives and in ours. In reflecting on the year, I know that Dallas moved us. A tragedy such as MSD, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, would force just about anyone to question their faith. Many may choose to abandon their beliefs. Fortunately, when Justin questioned the world around him, he realized that his belief in God was part of the core foundation of the man in the mirror. Thank you for your huge role in helping Justin see a focused image when he finally looked in the mirror. With my sincerest appreciation, Mike Irwin. Yeah. You did that. And to answer the question, yes. Yes, God still exists today. God exists, and we must be open to experiencing God's presence. At the end of July, I led a mission team, a young adult mission team, to Puerto Rico. In the very first devotional, I reminded our team that we must lift our heads and open our eyes so that we can see the world in a different way, so that we can be open to what God is showing and revealing. That reminder was more for me than anyone. Last week, Stan shared about the loss of his niece, Megan. Megan was a bright and beautiful woman taken by cancer. Another life so inexplicably lost. Megan's family and friends, all of you, our staff, prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle, for God to do something. But cancer took her. And for a moment, the question, does God still exist? Several of the staff went and joined thousands of people at Megan's memorial service that Saturday, mourning the loss of Megan's life. A Saturday that was also Megan's son's Davis' son's Davis fourth birthday. A day filled with incomprehensible sadness and a spark of joy and excitement as a little boy turns four. My eyes were open that day to God's grace. My eyes were open to a reminder of life, of hope, of birthdays. My eyes were open to a present God, embracing a family in their darkest moment and celebrating a life lost after 33 years and celebrating a life lived for four. On days that we question if God still exists, Yes, yes, 
Yes, God still exists today. But you need to wonder and wrestle with that on your own. Do you know that God still exists today? You need to find a brave space to wonder. We can help you with that. You need to seek scripture, the ancient words that live and breathe and invite us to encounter a living God. We can help you with that. You need to be open to experiencing God. We can help you with that. So I wonder, what part of the story did you like the best? I wonder what part of the story was most important. I wonder what part was about you or what part you were in. I wonder if there was any part of the story we could leave out and still have all that we need. Amen.